Well, good morning, LCM. Today is Sunday, December 18th, and uh, Gabriel and I just uh, arrived a few hours ago from an incredible trip with our brothers there in Chennai, India, spending a time uh, probably about 3,000 kilometers around in the southern part of the nation of India. We're going to share with you from our hearts today. That's the preacher way to say it's not completely scripted, but it means we're going to share with you exactly what God has been doing. Amen. Like from a father and a son who's also a father now to our family. That's what we're going to be doing with you today. We saw that last Sunday you guys had a sermon entitled Teen Drinking. Yeah, don't drink by yourself. Have some team drinking going on, drinking from the Holy Spirit, where you guys were able to recap some of the amazing things that God has been doing in this family this year. On Thursday night, you heard a sermon entitled Alert and Sober-Minded, where we are getting ready and we are praying. We heard testimonies from men of God like Asad Robinson, who were sharing exactly the miraculous things that God's doing here in our midst. We're going to keep it going today, and we're going to share with you some of the things that the Lord has put on our hearts. But before we do that, guys, we want to thank you for your prayers. We want to thank you for your devotion and your partnering with us on this trip. Can't tell you how many times the scriptures that you guys sent were either confirming what we were doing or helping us to lead us into what we needed to do. We, there's not a day that went by that we did not feel your support, that we did not... Uh, feel the power of y'all's prayers, and we thank you guys for that. Look, we're going to share with you uh, thoughts, uh, information, updates from the trip, but we're not going to let this devolve into a cheesy slideshow. We actually have a sermon for you today. We actually have a actually. word from God for you today. You can come to our house. We'll show you all, all the pictures. We'll talk to you about the stories, but today we're going to exalt the word that our Father has given to us for you. Isn't that great? God gave us a word for you. As we are on the plane from Dubai to Houston, by the way, it was really kind of funny. The little screen in front of the seat in front of us showed us on our pathway, and we basically flew over the North Pole to come see you guys. Yeah. Merry Christmas to everybody. Merry Christmas. See, we know, <laughs> yeah, we know that your pastors... We know that the men of God who are in this house who are like fathers, we know that you've been reminded of things that God has been accomplishing in you and through you this year. In the midst of a busy time, anybody been busy the last few weeks? Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We have. With a lot of external pressures that are added to you about how you're going to do with your family. I mean, the bloodline kind of people that you have to figure out how to engage with. There's been a lot of busyness, but isn't it good in the last few sermons how God is reminding you of what he's been doing inside of you this year? Yeah. See, that doesn't go away just because it's December. Just because we get distracted with other things, what God is doing. See, he's reminding us and he's using the voices of fathers to remind you of everything that he's been teaching you of everything that he's been doing inside of you. So we're going to continue to build on that this morning, and we're going to have a great time today. Turn with us to Luke chapter 12, and we're going to start in verse 32. Come on, Luke 12, 32 says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Church, I want to remind you that he is not only pleased to give you the kingdom, but this year has shown he has given you the kingdom. Yes. Has anybody grown this year? 
Can anybody say confidently that you're further along, that you're a better husband, a better mother, a better father this year than you were 12 months ago? This shows that he has given you the kingdom. In church, he does that and he transmits the kingdom through the pattern of the patriarchs, through fatherhood, through the fatherhood that we've received this year. That's how he has given us the kingdom. And we just want to remind you before we really get started, he is pleased to give you the kingdom this morning. Church, he doesn't do this through a student-teacher relationship. He doesn't, through, doesn't do this through a boss-employee kind of relationship. God transmits his kingdom to his body through the mechanism of family. Come on. Okay. Y'all going to have to help me a little bit today. All right? Because I will come and sit down next to you because I am not afraid. We traveled 10,000 miles to be here with you this morning. So if you traveled from Mission Bend, congratulations, but we got you beat today. <laughs> 10,000 miles, people. Okay, see, when I say that God uses family to transmit his kingdom, what am I saying? What do we mean? In Christianity, you can use terms like brother to address somebody. See, we're using family. But what do we really mean when we say brother? If we are at the One Association Conference and that guy that you recognize his face, but you can't remember his name. Oh, hey, brother. What do you call that guy? Which means I'm supposed to know you, but I don't really know you. But I don't want to tell you that I don't know you. But I'm going to call you brother, and that makes everything okay. That's not what we're talking about today. Not that kind of family. We're actually talking about a kind of family when you, you don't even have to call them by the title brother because they are your brother. See, God uses this mechanism. And even more than just brotherhood, he does it through fathers and sons. Gabe and I are going to be a living homiletic for you today. Fathers and sons who are now fathers of their own. Turn with us to Ephesians chapter 3 as we jump into the word. Y'all are going to love this. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 14. Somebody say family of God as you're turning there. Family of God. Oh, we got something for you. How about Ephesians 3 in verse 14? It says this. For this reason, I bow my knees before my boss. No. Okay, just making sure little jet lag. Sorry. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Every family in heaven and on earth derives its name from the Father. So when Paul is saying here, I'm going to bow my knees before the Father, he's got a good reason to do that. But there's something that's even better in this passage in verse 15. Maybe some of you have a footnote in there, and it says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. But there's a footnote that says every family, and it actually says all fatherhood. Wow. Somebody have that footnote in your Bible? What does that footnote mean? It means it is an applicable translation, that there were two equally viable options that the translator had to side between. 
from whom every family gets their name or from whom all fatherhood in heaven and on earth comes from. So they chose one and they gave you the other to know that these are synonymous and equally viable terms. Church, all fatherhood comes from heaven. God is using the vehicle of family and fathers and sons to be able to transmit this gospel. Every bit of fatherhood comes from the heavens, both in heaven, the supernatural variety, and what we see on earth, which is also supernatural, that we are joining with what the heavens are doing. That's already worth the price of admission. All fatherhood stems from the Father. Look at verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. By the way, have you thought about this? You guys, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Two-thirds of that are about family. The Father and the Son and the Spirit, which allows it all to come together, is talking about family family and transmitting who he is. The power that you are granted is so that you can become the kind of father that he is. Come on. According to the riches of his glory, his kindness, his grace, his power, he's granted you to be strengthened. Anybody feel like you need to be strengthened? You going through and what happens is we get, we get labored, we get tired, we get weary, but he gives you strength. He gives you power through his spirit inside of you so that you can be the type of father that he is. So that you can be the type of son that the son is. That is the working of the spirit in us and through us because he's decided that family, fathers and sons, is the primary way that he is going to transmit his kingdom and transform you and me today. Come on, let's pick up in verse 17. He has given us fatherhood so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, which is the rest of our family, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Guys, he has given us fatherhood. And he has given us this family so that Christ can dwell inside of you. He has given you fathers so that you can be rooted and grounded in love. Has anybody been grounded by a pastor in here? Your thoughts are crazy. Your life is going one way. And, you know, Ned goes up and says, hey, brother, you need to look at this. And you're like, oh, that kind of makes everything make sense. Grounded, rooted in love. He's given us fathers so that we can comprehend with the rest of the family all that he is and so that you can be like him. God uses fathers to display his fullness. I was taken back in worship today because as we started seeking him as a family, it was a little bit rough at the beginning. We needed to engage, but as we started engaging him as a family, we, we saw what happened. We saw the way that the Lord came in and he moved in our family because that's the way God always has designed it. When we seek him together, 
with our fathers. And when the fathers are leading the way, that's where God's presence and his power comes through so that we can have a full understanding of who he is. Amen? Amen. God uses fathers to display his fullness. See, we're going we're gonna to preach this sermon to you today, not because you don't understand the concept, because everyone in here already agrees. Does everybody in the room agree to this already? Aren't, aren't you excited about this concept? Yeah. What we're doing is we're reminding you of this because I look back and I see men like Bonnie in the back. Bonnie is the son on, of this everybody. house, and he's going to become everything that we are. Come on. See, I look at men like Jaron, and I'm like, man, Jaron, that's a special kind of son that God has brought to this house. Oh, yeah. I look at Nick Rosales, and I see a son of this house who, in Jesus' name, prophetically speaking, is also going to be a father in this house real soon. Come on. I don't have any special announcement. I've been out. I'm just saying. The problem is, is that when we're getting into our everyday life, we think that this is too easy and there's some other plan that has to be involved. The obvious nature of it being transmitted through family doesn't seem to be able to be, no, it can't be that clear, can it? It cannot be that simple, can it? And I'm saying, yes, yes, it can, Ubong. Of course you've been brought here to be a son. Of course you've been brought here to be exactly what we are because God uses fathers and fatherhood to be able to display his fullness. Did you guys catch that in this passage, verse 17? So that Christ may dwell in your heart. What's the so that there for? So that. In other words, because of family, then Christ can come and dwell in your hearts through faith. That is what we're doing. Let's take a look at a passage, and I want us to engage with it. Y'all still with us? Genesis 18. Now, don't think you already know everything about it. You don't. I love this church. I love how anointed you are. I love that when I say Genesis 18, people like Chris Rezor, he's like, oh, I got it. I got it. Going to command the family. Yeah, just walk with us, okay? Walk it out. Don't get too far ahead of us. I might get all confused today. I need your help. Walk with us. Genesis 18 and verse 17. It says this. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and a mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. We always think about Abraham as Father Abraham, right? Let's look at him as a son here for just a second. Oh, see, you weren't ready for that, were you? (laughs) I told you. This is a father looking at Abraham like he's a treasured son. Let's put Abraham in the son category for just a second. Shall I hide from my son what I'm going to do? Come on. He's faithful. He loves me. He's obedient to me. I got something that I, I, he doesn't know about it yet. Should I tell him? Yes. I think I'm going to tell him because he's been a faithful son to me. I have This is weird to say it this way. God is talking about prophetic vision for Abraham. You know why? Because he's already prophesied it to him. I'm going to make you a great nation. He is looking at him and going, I have a treasured son, and I just want to tell him. I got a gift for him. I got something that I'm going to do. He doesn't know it yet, but I want to tell it because he's my son. And let me tell you what I'm going to tell him. 
Because he's going to have great things. He's going to bless all the nations of the world. I know what he's going to be. Come on, fathers, looking at the men in this house and going, I know what they're going to be. I had to come into this church, and I became a son of this house. You don't start off as a father, do you? Oh, look, look at this father. That's not how it works. I came into this house and became a son, and now I'm a father in the house. Bajadar Erejina came into this house and became a son of this house. Faithful, loyal, wholehearted, and now he is a father in this house. See, there are men that this is becoming to. By the way, just a little secret to everybody because we got so many mighty men and women of God. The ones who get this concept and come into this house and become a son or a daughter of this house, they're the ones that end up leading this house in a few years. They're the ones that become ready for ministry. Why? Because they're not coming in trying to have a father's voice. They come in and have a son's voice. And they become worthy to be fathers. Because they've become everything that their fathers are. So straightforward. See, because sonship and fatherhood is not about age, is it? No. See, you know that. But let's talk about it in our lives. The men who are the strongest in this house, Adam Cora, I'm proud of you because you've come in this house to just try to be a son. That's true. He's going to be a father in this house. He's going to do it. I mean, he's a natural father. I'm talking about a supernatural kind of father. See, this is what's going on. This is God the Father looking at Abraham saying, I got great things for him. He doesn't even know it yet. I'm going to tell him this. Look at verse 19. For I have chosen him. The word underneath that is that I know him. Fathers know their sons. They know them. There's an intimate relationship there. That he may command his children and his household. Oh, yeah. Come on now. Fathers command. They don't ask. They don't have to do some type of ploy. They command their household to do what? Their children, the natural children, and the household. The ones that have been added to them. The actual bloodline family and those who are grafted into their family. You realize that that's what a church is, right? It's a family that adds other people into their family. Yeah. We become a family of families. That's what the church of God is. See, here, command his children. I know Abraham. I know my son. I know that when he gives me a certain look, I know exactly what he's thinking. I know that Gabriel Wade Sutherland, when he has something to say, he'll stand there just like this. Yes, I know you have something to say. Give me a second. (laughs) I know my son. And I love him for it. I love, I know, I know his mannerisms. I know his idiosyncratic little things that he does. And I love him for it because he's a faithful and a loving son. You command your children in your household after him to to do what? To keep the way of the Lord. To walk in this way of life. I want my son to be exactly like me. He is a minister in his own right and is going to be a minister of the gospel. Full-fledged. 
I know that. Why? Because if God would have wanted him to do something different, he'd have put him in somebody else's family. There's not pressure on him. There's the opportunity on him to become what I am and more. Keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what his word has said. Okay. Y'all still with us? Y'all still love us? See, this is the key. Everybody in this house, this is the key to what we're doing. See, fatherhood is all about being transparent. Fatherhood is all about being transparent. Fatherhood is not done when you keep things from your family, but you live who you are in front of your family at all times, and that never changes. If you're hiding things, you're not in fatherhood. If you're keeping things back, you're not in this family relationship that we're talking about. Now, we had a good time with, uh, with the entire team there in India. And we were very transparent with each other. Meaning there was never a door closed, even when somebody went to the bathroom. That's what we <laughs> We were very open. There's always a transparency between fathers and sons. Why? Because this is how he's made into who you are. See, this is what we're talking about. Having very straightforward and intimate kind of conversations. Hey, son, let me give you some advice. This is where I did not do this right in my life, and I want you to do it right. So you share from your weakness and how God has done something. This is what fatherhood is about. Pastor, we know these things. No, wait a minute. Y'all just going to walk with us today, huh? Oh, yeah. This is how the gospel and the kingdom is transmitted to you, and God's been pleased to give it to you. Fathers, you got to show your sons through powerful repentance. Let me show you what it's like when you really mess it up, and you own it completely, and you share it in the face of your family. I'm the dad, so I want to be isolated from that. No, I'm the dad, so I want to show you everything, especially the weaknesses. So how are you doing it? Fathers in the house, not just with your own, but with that household that God is building onto you. See, we don't kick a son when he's down. Oh, you've made a mistake. Now's the time for me to release my frustrations on you. No, we actually share from those very same things and show them how to overcome. Abraham was chosen because he would consecrate his own family. He would set them apart. The word consecration, to be sanctified, to be made holy, to get rid of the common things that are there. Our friends, the Israel family in India, are a consecrated family. Oh, yeah. We're on the seventh generation of consecrated Israels in Chennai. Here's a picture that we didn't take on this trip, obviously. But we're seeing from Raja. Which, by the way, on December 16th was the one-year anniversary of him entering into life. Come on. That is truly life. Raja was the fifth generation of Christians in his own family line. Anand, right there in the middle, sixth generation. Jaden, who's now 12 years old, seventh generation of believers. By the way, the Israel family. Have you ever thought just for a second, you realize that's not their original name, right? <laughs> they were in India. Seven generations ago, the man's name was Ganan Mutha. 
Ganon Mutha was the first Christian convert in that area. And the British people who were there named him Ganon Mutha Joseph Israel. Oh, that's a good name. More than being a good name, it's a sign that God as a father was orchestrating the steps of this family line. Seven generations ago, making this family's last name be Israel. They were assigned it. They didn't pick it. Ooh, we become Christians. We like Israel. They were assigned the name Israel. Hey, friends, what God has called you and your family to, he's been working on this for a long time. Like Nathaniel, God saw you while you were still under a fig tree before you ever knew that he was looking for you. Long before Adam Korah decided, long before Ibrahim was there in Egypt, God said, I see him, and so I'm going to work out details because I am a father and he is my son. And I'm going to put him around fathers so that he'll become exactly what I want him to be. There is no other reason for us to be together, by the way. Only fatherhood and sonship here in this house because that's the way the kingdom is transmitted. LCM, this is what God is doing inside of us. This is exactly who this family is, and it's exactly what God is building here. And by the way, this message of family is exactly what the entirety of the world needs. You don't have to modify this based on Indian culture. You don't have to modify it based on Colombian culture. You don't have to modify it based on Indonesian culture or Peruvian culture. This is the message of the gospel, and it works. It supersedes every other culture because it's the culture of the kingdom of God, yeah. Yeah. which leads us to the title of today's message, Consecrated Family. Amen. Come on. You know, the Bible says that the church is the pillar and foundation of truth. To what my dad was saying just now, it is the thing, the truth, the word, is the thing that matters in our families. It is the thing that brings us together, and it is the thing we need to be consecrated around. And uh, let's go to Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 4. Somebody say consecrated when you get there. Consecrated. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your hearts. What God desires more than anything else is a consecrated family. The nation of Israel to be a consecrated family. And let's just, let's rewind a little bit and let's think about Genesis 18. It's, it's the same family. God said, I will share these things with my son. I see him. And I want to share all of these things with him so that he'll have a consecrated family and he'll direct his children after him. Then in Deuteronomy 6, when his one life became a one family, became a one nation, it's just a bigger family. He still wants that big family to be consecrated. This is the family of Abraham. God wanted them to be consecrated with a wholehearted engagement of his word. The Bible Many times when you read through the scriptures about it, rightly engaging with his word, Psalm 119 and a couple of scriptures like that, you see very often God says, and he reminds us to obey the word with all of our heart. Yeah. Now, why does it say that? 
Why do you think it reminds us through the law, the prophets, the writings, Old and New Testament, that we need to engage the word with all of our hearts? Because it's very easy to let it slip. Let's keep reading in Deuteronomy 6, verse 7. It says, You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as signs on your hands, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. See, this, the word of God, is supposed to be in every part of Israel's life. Diligently. Your kids are always around you, so you're talking about it with them. When you sit down, when you get up, when you walk along the road, you're supposed to constantly be reminded of the word and focus on the word. Notice in verse 8, it says, When you shall bind them as signs on your hands, so that everything you touch, everything you pick up, everything that you're going to go do has the word of God on it, and you're reminded of it. It's supposed to be as frontlets between your eyes on your forehead to be reminded to submit your thoughts to the word at all times. They walked around with these things because they needed a reminder. I do too. We need a reminder. We don't have physical things on our hands and on our head to remind us to think about the word of God. I mean, we do have stones. At least we should have stones. We should be looking over these all the time. But the word of God needs to be our everything. Because it is so easy to acknowledge it with our heads, to think, oh, I know that scripture. I know where, where pastor's going with Genesis 18. It's so easy to read a scripture and let what you think you know steal all of the personal impact for you. Guys, I want to talk to you about this. We need devotion to the word of God, not just daily devotionals in our family. It is not enough just to read a scripture with your family and talk about it in the morning and then go the rest of the day about your day. We're looking for daily devotion to the word of God. That's how we get consecrated, not daily devotionals. Lest the word of God get stolen from our hearts from our lives and our minds, I promise you, when you meditate on the word of God, it changes everything about your life. As you get up, as you sit down, think about this. How many times do you think you pull out your phone in a day? Heard from a pastor, it's about every three minutes-ish. If every time you pull out your phone, because you got nothing else to do, and so you pull out your phone, what if you write a stone? What if you looked at somebody and said, hey, I was thinking about this scripture. You open up the word because the word of God is our life and it's the thing that lasts throughout all generations. Your relationship with the Lord, the things that you build in your kids and in your wife because of the word of God, that's the thing that's going to last. Nothing else lasts. When everything gets burnt up, the things that last are the relationships that you had with the Lord, with your family, and the word of God that you implemented in it. But nothing else matters. I've been working on this the past month in my household. The Lord has been dealing with me because things pop up. Weeds are growing in my house, and I'm 
surprised. Like, why are these things here? You know, I read the scripture today with my wife. I prayed over my daughter. But there was a lack of devotion to his word throughout the entire day. It did not, it was not on my hands. It was not on my forehead. It was tribal knowledge. And we can't live that way. I can promise you, though, when you start implementing the word, it changes everything about your home. Guys, I'm seeing him do it in my family. As I'm implementing the word and holding up the standard, I'm seeing him transform my life, my wife's life, my child's life. The word of God, when it consecrates us, when we have a consecrated family based off of his word, it changes everything about how we interact. It gives us clear vision, and it, it makes us fruitful. We have to hear with the intent to obey. If we don't have the word, then what are we doing here, guys? Don't you love the passion that you're hearing? Let's be honest. Let's raise hands right now. Anybody need to hear that, what, what Gabriel just said? See, God is doing a kindness. He's giving us a kindness. He's treating us like a good father today to remind us of things that we all think that we know, but we must go back and actually do. He cares about us. In light of that, let's turn to Deuteronomy 32 together. Deuteronomy 32, let's look at verse 44. Say consecrated family as you're turning. How about we put into practice what Gabriel just said? Everybody ready to engage the scripture? Yes. We're going to just read it for what it is and engage and let the Lord engage with us. Moses came and recited all the words of this song in the hearing of the people. He and Joshua, the son of Nun, because he wasn't doing it by himself. Come on. And when Moses had finished speaking all the words to Israel, he said to them, who's speaking again? Moses. Moses. Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children. Doesn't that sound like Genesis 18 to you? Definitely. Wasn't this the conversation between God and Abraham because he's going to command his children? See, Abraham didn't just stay as a son. He became the father. And Moses is actually echoing exactly what father Abraham taught to him. Take that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all of the words of this law. Not just some of them, not acknowledge that they know them, but do them. For it is no empty word for you. These are not idle, wrecked kind of words. They are your very life. And by this word, you shall live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to possess. See, you hear the echoes of Genesis 18. You're hearing the echoes of Deuteronomy 6 right here in Deuteronomy 32 because it's what fathers and sons do. The fathers command and the son and the children rise up to treasure the word as much as the father does. Come on. How much a father actually treasures something is how much your sons will treasure it. It's true. How much a father treasures something is how much his sons will treasure it. I remember the shift that happened for us as a father and a son. We'd play games when we're driving around. We would do verbal games. You know, you might do I spy 
we, we would do these games with who would win between this superhero and this superhero. They were like Deacon's age. I look at Deacon and I remember Gabe at that age. I can remember the day that we started shifting to, hey, here's a theme in the Bible. Let's talk right now because I'm driving. Let's talk through a, a six scripture string together as we drive. God's love. Okay, Genesis 22, Isaac is offered and God is showing his love here. Okay, and he, we started doing, instead of silliness with superheroes, we started devoting ourselves to scripture. We started talking through six scripture strings when he's after, after we got here to this church. We started treasuring the word because how much a father treasures something is how much his son treasures it. Come on. So fathers, let's let that be the standard of how much you treasure the word. Yeah. How much does your family treasure the word? Because how much you treasure something will be imparted into your family and let them grow up so that we all have the same kind of treasuring of God's word that we're supposed to have. Think about Isaiah 42 verse 21 for a minute. It, this is in the NIV. It pleased the Lord for the sake of his righteousness to make his law. His word, his Torah, great and glorious. Fathers in this house, are we making the word of God great and glorious inside of our own homes? How much does your wife love the word? Do you love the word so much more than your wife and children and count that as a blessing instead of an indictment on what we're still trying to build? Come on now. The fatherhood that comes from the heaven makes the law of God great and glorious. It makes it where both in weightiness of it and in the size and magnitude of his glory, that's what the God has as the word of God. Look, this is the same kind of shift. What we're talking to you about today are the same themes and topics that we talked to, to the church in India about. For sure. We have a slide that we want to show you. This is a group of pastors. You see the pastors on the right of the room in a small village in the mountains of India. And what you see is that we were speaking to them and they were needing the very same thing that we need and that we're sharing with you today. The exaltation of the word of God because God wants to have families that are fully consecrated unto him. This is what God is doing in our midst today is he's teaching us fathers, sons. We treasure what our father treasures. He made his law great and glorious and that's what we're gonna treasure. And this, fam this family we know that that's what you want to do. We're calling you and saying, we need to do more than want. We need to actually carry this out inside of our own homes. You're going to be a minister of the gospel? This is what ministry looks like. You build your family and others are added into it. Ministry is a family. It's all based off of family. We're all children of Abraham, yeah? Abraham was a father who had a family and it made it all the way to us. All ministry is family. Let's go to Psalm 138, verses 1 and 2. Somebody say consecrated when you get there. Consecrated. <laughs> oh, I'm not there yet. I can't say it. So Psalm 138, verses 1 and 2 
It says, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast or loyal love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Guys, it is the most praiseworthy endeavor to consecrate our families based off of his word. Just as it pleases the Father to exalt his law, it must be our greatest endeavor to lift up his word in our own families. Above all things, he has exalted his name, his character, and his word. Wholehearted devotion is required. Guys, again, we were talking about it a little bit earlier, but see here again, when the name of the Lord and the word of the Lord is lifted up, it requires us to have a wholehearted response. It requires it for, it requires to actually be our life, not just empty words. We get to imitate as fathers his steadfast, loyal love to our families by exalting above all things his name and his word. All fatherhood comes from God, and we get to be a father to our families like God is to us. We can do that by exalting his name and his word. And uh, I'm just going to reference Psalm 119. In the Aleph and Bet section, it's teaching us how to be leaders, and it's teaching us how to run households. And every scripture in Psalm 119 has scriptures in it. It's talking about the word of God. It's talking about the scripture. So to be strong leaders in our own home and to have strong homes, we have to base it off of the word of God, off of a wholehearted engagement with the word of God. When you do a study and you go over these things over and over again, when you look up how many times the word and men interacting with the word are present, it teaches us that we need to be wholehearted and to lift it up above all things. Amen? Because this design produces something in our families. We have a slide for you. We spend all of our time speaking to the pastors there about having sons added. Because sons become fathers. And we want to have fathers who are raising sons who reach the nations. I just love this picture. I just thought I'd share it with you. That you can see here. You can see fathers and sons. And depending on how you're looking at this picture, it depends on how many fathers and sons that you think you see. How many fathers do you see on the screen? Five. How many sons do you see on the screen? Five. How many brothers do you see on the screen? Five. My family. See, we were able to share with them. I, I, I share testimonies of how the Lentons are in my home. With pastors there, we were speaking to them, and I said, my son, they knew that Gabriel was there as a son. I was like, I have another son. His name is Justin Linton, and he's black. And they were like, they were there's, amazed. The there's the delay of translation. They're like, and I said, I have another son. And they're like, okay. His name is Timo. We were speaking out of the book of Timothy, so I didn't want to use Timothy. So I said, Timo. I said, he's Tanzanian. He's black too. Oh! <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I have black sons. And they were like, oh, that's good. <laughs> His sons are dark like us. Yes. 
They loved having Geary on, on, with oh us on gosh. the trip, by the way. In case you were wondering, Pastor Geary was the hit of our team. Stud. All us non-British white folks, they were like, uh, you're okay. That Indonesian dude, he's awesome. <laughs> he was preaching in English. They had a translator, and they all understood Pastor Geary better than any of us. I was like, that's not fair. This is your third language. <laughs> You're preaching in English. And they get you better. Because, yeah, because we all love Pastor Gary. <laughs> He's better than all of us. Take a look at the next slide. Yeah, see, because that picture was missing something. It's missing Pastor Anand, our other brother. Another father in the faith and what God is doing. This is us on the way down in the mountains of the Kanur region. And we were going down to a place called Yanipalam, the Valley of the Elephants, that many of our pastors have been to a, just a brutal walk that we were now having a glorious motorcycle ride. It was fantastic, Pastor Matt. I just want to let you know how easy it was. It was great. We loved it. What, pa what the Lord is doing in Pastor Anand is something that's supernatural. Not only has God orchestrated things seven generations of it in advance, God has been doing things in Pastor Anand's heart that are absolutely incredible. Let me encourage you, church, that we started this year talking about setting a table and the sifting that's required to do that. The Lord's been sifting Pastor Anand. He's done a Deuteronomy 8 where he's made Pastor Anand hungry. But because of the faithfulness of this church and this trip, God was feeding Pastor Anand and he couldn't get enough. There was not opposition in a man of God who could just say, I'm fine, I'll do it on my own. We've been doing this. I'm the sixth generation. We know how to do this. He said, teach me, brothers. I see what you're doing. I want to be in a team. I just don't know how to do it. Come on. I want to bring in sons that are not just my own bloodline, but I don't know how to show me how to do it. Yeah. Teach me how to do it. And we spent more time speaking with Annan than we did all of the preaching combined. And it was more than worth it, my friends. Yeah. Amen. Come on. Yeah. Guys, Annan took things like the Talmudim teaching and the good deposit teaching and the things that we have and that we can read all of the time. And he took it and he, he's making it his life. And it's changing his life. He's, he's valuing it. It's not just empty words. It's not just things that he's heard. He's taking all of these things and he's treasuring it. He is treasuring this word and it's changing their ministry. That'll help us also before we get to our next passage. How many of you know you don't have to stop praying for India now? Now, now we actually know what we need to pray for them. How do, you, how do you make someone your son? I now call you my son. That's not fatherhood. You begin to live in community with people in a certain way. How do I make someone my brother? That's where Anon is right now. I want to do this. I just need the Lord's help to supernaturally cause these bonds to happen. Can anybody relate to that? Yeah, our whole church can. You men who are going to be ministers in your own right, you're going to be praying these things in the next few years. 
You're going to be landing somewhere and going, I need God to do something. I know what must be done. I just don't know how to do it here. And you're going to reflect back on these days of what God has taught you. And I, he's going to remind you. Prophetically, I'm saying he's going to remind you of the prayers that you're giving towards Anand. He's going to allow your faithfulness in praying for what God is doing there in India. God did not bring us there to close a ministry. God brought us there to expand a ministry and set it on the footing for the generations to come. Seven generations is impressive, but the Word talks about how He will speak to yours for a thousand generations. Our goal is a thousand generations of this. Turn with us to Genesis 12, and we're going to take a look at this in a different perspective. Come on, Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your family, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all nations on earth will be blessed through you. See, Abraham was a man who consecrated his family. And I want to let you know that the whole point of being a consecrated family is so that the nations can be reached. The whole point of you getting your household right is so that you can team up with households and households can go affect nations. Through fathers who consecrate their families, the nations are blessed. And I just want to brag on Raja Israel. Raja is a man that reminds me of Abraham. He's a kingly father who also pastored his wife well. Shamala was, while we were there, the celebration was for Raja. Shamala was serving. She was joyful. She's active in the body, teaching the women. She is servant-hearted. You could, if you knew nothing else about Raja, you could look at his wife and know that he consecrated his family well. And you also get to see his son. You get to see Annan, and he is carrying on the work. You get to see Sheila and his daughters. And again, Sheila is an amazing woman of God, servant-hearted, sweet, joyful. Sheila is Annan's sister. There's Sheila, Annan, and Alice. And Alice, who lives in Chicago in the Crystal Lake region, uh, Alice was also there with us while we were there. They came in a few days after we arrived, and Alice and Silva, her husband, and their daughter Jade. So we were all in the same house, hanging out with Annan's entire family throughout the trip while we were there. You can look at Raja's family and know that he consecrated them rightly, and they're going to bless the nations. God will ensure it in our lives if we consecrate our homes right. It will bless the nations. Raja was a man who walked in authority of the fatherhood that he had received. He was a man of authority. Anybody that knew him, it's just evident. His name means king, and it was accurate. He'd walk along the road and settle public disputes. They didn't know him, but he'd settle public disputes. Yeah, there'd be an accident on the side of the road, and when Raja was there, he'd just walk over and correct them. He'd just walk up, correct them. They would stop arguing, and everyone would move on. And then we'd get back in the car and keep going. <laughs> Amazing. Raja walked in the authority. Any demon in the room, he made sure to handle it. And some of you guys on the trip know what I'm talking about. Anything that Raja did, he did with authority because the word of God was in him and on him. But my favorite thing 
is how he consecrated his family and how he looked for sons to include into his family. Has anybody had a heart-to-heart with Raja before? I know I have. I know I've been sitting there on the trip, and he'll come and find me and uh, say, my son, how are you doing? And with all of the authority that he can muster, he would build me up. I wasn't related to him. He, he could just do what he was doing because he was an important man. But he took the time to be a good father to anyone in his life. And that's the kind of father that I want to be like, to be a father that looks for sons. And the world is being blessed through that man. Here's a picture that we have of the actual memorial service, the remembrance service for, for Raja. This was on Friday, local time there. You can see... Uh, that Pastor Annan is there on the stage and preaching <laughs> incredible, an incredible service that we had there. Right out to the right, you can see the window and the door off to the right of the picture. Right out to the right, we have a picture of what the church is now able to look at. This is a memorial place, a burial place of Raja, of Reverend Arthur Sidney Raja Israel. So on the church property, right to the right of, from the perspective of Pastor Annan on the stage, right off to the right, is this memorial place where they are reminded every single day, every single service of what true fatherhood and sonship is like. The giving of this church helped to provide for the memorial service or the funeral service last year and some of the things that went on this year. And this is not a sad thing here. This is like our Kaddish. Yeah. They've marked the site of the resurrection of Raja Israel. Come on. They've marked the site that through the nations, as sons, we have arrived there to honor a father in the faith. And we said, no, no, no. He's our father too. He's adopted us. He's adopted the Stevens family. He's adopted us. We want to claim him as a father too. Why? Because he is a man who showed us the father. And because all fatherhood comes from above, that's exactly what happens. See, church, these things that we take for granted about what we already know in the faith. We know that in Genesis 12, you see the man that was consecrated. We know that by Genesis 21, you see an entire family that's consecrated. You know that the book of Exodus is about an entire nation that's conceived and is being redeemed by the God of all creation. See, God is setting before us a plan, a pathway, and it doesn't stop just with us. So much of Christianity is just about the singular individual. We've got an individual kind of faith. It's me and my Savior. And we've neglected the body of Christ. Here we are working. We know that it's got to be more than us as individuals. We've got to work towards a family. But that's not where it ends either. Because the whole point of supernatural families is that it eventually reaches the nations. That's exactly what we're batting. Hey, let me tell you something, church. As we're getting ready for our last few scriptures with you, we are telling you that God is getting this church back into mission shape. Come on. We're getting back in mission shape here. This prayer that we're engaging in, the next few weeks, months, and years of what this church is going to be involved in, he's getting us ready for something. He's getting us ready to all participate as a singular family. Many of you are as a church body, we're not ready to launch yet, but what God is doing is he's setting the stage. Somebody say setting the stage. Setting the stage. God is setting a stage here that's important. Turn with us to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 
2 Timothy 1 and, and verse 11 says this, For which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed. Do you realize that fatherhood is not about what you can get out of it, right? Because if you're getting something out of it, you haven't engaged in fatherhood yet. Isn't fatherhood about the opposite of that? You're the one that's sacrificing. Now, some of you who are young, you're parents of younger kids. I'm looking at Cody with a big smiling face there. How much do you sacrifice and the kid has no idea what's going on? They're actually upset because you're not sacrificing more. My world is not yet comfortable enough. Do more for me, Dad. Come on, moms. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You don't get into fatherhood and motherhood because you're expecting to get something out of it. Actually, you just committed yourself to a whole lot more work, a whole lot more problems, and a whole lot more things that you need to clean up. It's true. It's true. Fatherhood is not about glorifying yourself. It's about raising someone up Come on. in your place. A Psalms 45, verses 16 and 17 kind of moment, where you're raising up sons to take the place of their fathers. This is what Paul is speaking to his son, Timothy. I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I'm convinced that he is able to guard unto that day which he has entrusted to me. Fatherhood is about what you've been entrusted with and being faithful with that. So that they follow the pattern, verse 13, of the sound words that you've heard from me. In the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Church, you've been given a good deposit. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. You've been given a good deposit. What you're learning here in this house, I'm going to speak to you like a father for a minute. You don't need to try to add something to it. You need to be what this house is. Amen. That's why God called you here. Come on. There are some of you who are here and you are hearing these words, but actually putting into practice is where it falls apart. You're here. You'll say the brother like we do with the guy that we can't remember their name, but we're not being brothers. If you come here and you are the son of this house, you'll become a father in the house because that's what this house produces. Guard the good deposit. How are you going to guard the good deposit? I'm going to go off all by myself and guard the good deposit. No. 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 No man in this house can do this by yourself. Some of you want to go off and fix your problems before you come back to the group. Well, I have a problem. Well, let me. No, that's not family. That's you calling me, brother, because you can't remember my name. That's not what family does. We actually go, hey, I got a problem. Hey, I got this rash. Can you take a look at it? Well. Well, that got serious. As a family, you don't hide your problems. You go to the family to help fix the problems. Isn't that a simple concept? Very simple. Won't that help many of us in this room if we actually did that simple concept? Yeah. See, Paul had been entrusted, and then he entrusted it to Timothy, who did the same thing. That's why Paul could send Timothy anywhere in the world, and what did he do? He sent Timothy as a son 
to testify to the way of life that Paul had been living. It's the same thing that he taught and preached in every church. In other words, there was a good deposit and he was guarding it. Good deposit is not about being a sermon. We're raising up some powerful preachers here. I mean, this, this church is filled with men who can. True. We're not trying to present to you today anything scripted. We're trying to share with our family. The way of life that we have here will work. It'll work in every part of the country. It'll work in every country in the world. It'll work in every day, time period that you can possibly imagine. What God has brought you here to is to become a family with us. More than just in our words and our actual life. The problem is, is some of us don't know how to deal with family. But this is the place where you do. This is the place where you're going to learn. This is the place where God is building this. And it's not just a singular person a singular person. It's not just one family. Okay, we finally got it going on. Let's, leave, let's get everybody else away because we got it. We're making teams of family. I want to show you some men who I think are going to become team members, have the potential of becoming team members with Pastor Anna. Yeah. I'm sitting on stage with the man as I took the picture. Pastor Stephen Murga is on the left. We're in his church. The background, the pink walls that you see are Pastor Stephen Murga's church. And that's Pastor Vijay Kumar on the right. Pastor Vijay is the one that usually translates for us. These men are mighty. I, I'm saying that I think that these men might end up being Annan's ministry partners one day. Come on. Whether these men, whether I'm right about that or not, I entrust the Lord. But what Annan is praying for are brothers who can help him to lead. Church, what we have is special. You have our weekly team meetings, and if you're not treasuring those things, then you're not understanding the precious nature of what he's given. 2 Timothy 1, let me just read this. I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2 says, You then, my son, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to your sons. Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Church, we've received something special. We guard it and we transmit it so that we're raising up sons who are of every race, every language, every nationality, and including the sons that come from your bloodline, because God is doing something very special here. Turn with us to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testified to everything he saw. That is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart, and take to heart what is written, because the time is near. Guys, this word today is, is not too hard for you. To consecrate your family based off of the word of God, it is not too hard for you. The Lord says you are blessed when you read the word. You are blessed when you hear it and you take it to heart. God wants you to grab a hold of it. In John 17, it says, sanctify them by the truth, for your word is truth. The Lord has given us his word in abundance today. He has given us his word, his sons, 
who he knows. He's given us his word so that we can do it, so that we can hear it and understand it and put it into practice. This is what the Lord desires for our household today, that we get consecrated, that we understand his word. And more than understanding it, we do what he says. Amen. For our final scripture of the day, turn with us to Romans chapter 11. In a time of the year when we are distracted, pressured, busy, got to run around and do this extra thing from our normal weekly schedule, we've got these things that are attacking us. We're calling you today and saying, yeah, make sure that we are doing exactly what God has already given us to do. We don't need to modify off of what God has given. Is anybody like me, when you get busy, you actually fail to do some of the things that have made you into what you are? Yeah. Well, I'll get to that later. No, there's no getting to this later. This is what God has done. He's moved us into a family that our family might impact the nations. He's worked on you as an individual that your family might present and become exactly what God has for you so we can reach the nation. And that goes for everyone in here. Not just the ones, there were five men on this trip, but there was a family of believers that was part of this trip. See, take a look at Romans 11 and verse 13 and understand what God is saying here. Now I'm speaking to you Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. Hey, by the way, what's going to provoke our Jewish brothers? What's going to provoke them to jealousy? It's going to be consecrated families who operate in the same unity that they have produced in their own homes and with other homes. That's what's going to produce jealousy and provoke them to jealousy. What's going to provoke those around us everywhere, everywhere that we go, are fathers. Somebody say fathers. Fathers. Who've taken sons of every nationality. I loved how the pastors responded when I told them that Justin was black. They're like, that's great. Yes, it is. They were right. <laughs> they were right because this is what the family of God does. We're going to raise up sons with no distinction from our own bloodline. I had Gabriel stand on one side of me, and I had Geary stand on the other side of me. Sons, who are now becoming brothers, who are fathers in their own right, who are raising up other men. We've entrusted these things to reliable men. We're never going to be able to send anyone to the nations without teams of consecrated families. How are you going to do that? As wonderful as I think the Stevens family is, can't do it by themselves. Can't. As a matter of fact, they're the ones who are crying out most for families to be added to them. You can do this, church. In a season where you can be highly distracted, we're actually calling you back to recognize family. Single men in this house, don't go off and try to fix things on your own. Run to your family. It's a good word. And you know what family I'm talking about. You know that I'm talking about this family. Your father. You know that I am. 
married couples in here, don't try to fix everything on your own. Come run to your family. Men of God in this room, run to your family. You can both be a son and a father simultaneously. You can both be a son and a father simultaneously. That's what this is because the nations are depending on it. The nations are depending on how we operate as a family, Steve Thomas. I don't know if that encourages you or scares you or challenges you. For different men and women in this room, he's going to do all those things. God is going to reach the nations through this family as we engage with this properly. What do we have to do? See, God talked to us earlier on this year, from last year at this time, talking to you about setting the table. You realize what setting the table is, right? It's inviting people into your family. <laughs> That's exactly what he was doing. Before we set out on a renewed vision of the next few days together, thinking about what the next year is going to hold, I can't wait till the pastors share this on New Year's Eve. Yeah, you don't have to wait. Last Sunday, your pastors have already started the theme. They're already telling you. They're calling you to remember what has gone on and what God is doing. We're never going to achieve provoking the natural heirs until we're able to fully function as family. That's a good word. That is the most reassuring thought to me because I can operate as a family. I've been a bad son at times, but God put me in a family. My natural family was dysfunctional as all get out. But this family is the fatherhood that is descended from the heavens. And I know how to be in a family now because of this house. As we close, stand to your feet with us. It is time for us to make a commitment as the house of God. I, when, when we were praying during the worship time, I couldn't help it. It wasn't because it was the theme of the sermon. It's because it's what God showed me. I saw so many sons around this altar. I saw Jaron. Jaron, I'm proud of you like a father is proud of a son. I know the age probably doesn't even hardly work out, but I'm still proud of you because fatherhood and sonship is not about age. I see what God is doing in somebody like Ubon. You need the fatherhood that we have. Because all fatherhood comes from the heavens. I see God raising up a mighty father in Asad Robinson. Oh, I love that man. What God is doing in here, David Hall, is an amazing thing. We're committing to being full gospel fathers in this house. Not in title, but in our trials. Not in seeking our own recognition, but seeking the redemption of our family. Isn't that what fatherhood is all about? <laughs> you're taking on more work when you become a father. Because you're committing to transparent life. You're committing to making them all. We're going to commit to being spirit-led sons in this house. We're going to commit to being spirit-led sons in this house. Come on. Secure in our pursuit of becoming everything that this family is. 
everything that this family is, Rick. Everything, Joseph. Everything that this family is, Abimbola. This is what we're committing to. Raise your hands today as we pray. Mighty God, we know that fatherhood only comes from you. That all fatherhood is birthed from the heavens. Lord, we want to be full gospel fathers in this house. Lord, able to look, pray, desire, and have sons that are added into our household. God, we want to be spirit-led, secure sons who are walking in your authority, who are able to become everything that you've called us to be with no fear that we won't make it to that position. But God, because of the fatherhood, because of the fathers that are in this house, we can rest assured as sons that we are going to be fathers in our own right. Lord, we thank you for the family of God, and we thank you for the family that is here. In Jesus' name.